Welcome to the Kingless Generation, a podcast on the deep history of class struggle, paleo parapolitics, and the demonology of capital. I'm your host, Fergal Schmoodlock, back from the dead. I had a bit of the coronavirus, and I got through it, and that feels great. I have more to say about that and some just marginally, barely timely uh, things about current events, too. But I think I'll save that for the next episode, which I should be getting on pretty much immediately now that I'm back at full strength. And it's spring is slightly in the air now in Tokyo. It's really wonderful. But without further ado... Uh, we have a very special episode for you today. Uh, this is a conversation with Khalid of Subliminal Jihad, who you will now know has gone on a bit of a podcast sabbatical, although he still pops his head up here and there from time to time, I see. But any rate, really illuminating conversation for me. Uh, you will know this podcast is largely about, it ends up being about intellectual history quite a bit, right? Uh, and falling as I do a bit on the Maoist side of things, I'm interested in culture. I'm interested in how can we actually change culture, uh, you know, based on our knowledge of how culture has changed in the past and how people experience their world and the diverse ways in which they experience their worlds. And ideally, I would hope the end state of humanity would be actually, there would be a lot of diversity in the experience that people have. That could be a really great thing. It definitely wouldn't be everyone's the same. Uh, not at the end anyway. Not for a goal. Uh, so, you know, you, we should, in case anyone was not fully on board with that, uh, before you go, you maybe, you, maybe it's not for you, but, and, you know, maybe less kind of spiritual, uh, spiritually oriented episodes are more for you. Uh, but before you go, I will just say the masses, listen to me say that the masses are religious. Uh, every successful revolution in history just about has had a large contingent of people who are religious and they are, you know, they're getting vi vision, they're getting a uh, concrete worldview, they're getting direction, they're cultivating an attention span, as we discuss in this episode. They're getting praxis kind of uh, habit. The force of habit cannot be underestimated. You know, history is not made by uh, people willing something, you know, hard enough. I wish hard enough to make something happen, right? It's about creating a culture, organizing the masses, right? And having the masses then choose a direction. And that's going to involve uh, structures that we might identify as religious in many ways, right? And, again, and as we discuss in this thing, right? Uh, the category of religion is a very new thing as well. That just comes out in the early modern period at the very earliest. So I have some points that I want to clarify, sort of maybe my position. Um, I, was not, I was a little sick at this point too. It was not coronavirus, but um, so I may, I think I'll pop in, I'll drop in a couple comments here and there just to clarify my thoughts. Um, but pretty much this is already like really kind of subliminal jihad type length of episode. Uh, it's a real barn burner. So I can't wait for you to hear it. Here we go. 
Uh, yeah, that's like all right. The, all right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Ready? Okay. We'll one, try it again. One, uh, one two, two, three. All right. Yeah, I feel like that was a little that bit out was of place, but we'll we'll try it. Okay. For me, it was at the same um, time. I think anything that for me is oh, together okay, so will actually be a, a part a for you. Yeah, there's always going to yeah, be. Yeah, maybe. Welcome to the Kingless Generation. Today we have a very special guest uh, who needs no introduction, but uh, this is Khalid of the Subliminal Jihad podcast. Uh, he's very graciously Hi. agreed to speak with us across the Pacific. Yeah, it's crazy. Like there, it's nine a.m. Here, it's seven twenty. Uh, right? I guess it's nine twenty a.m. There. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's yeah, right. This is, yeah, really. This is the most like long range podcast I've ever done. Is it? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think of Dimitri and I as, be- as being like you know distant, but I guess uh, compared to uh, this, not so much. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, you're on the opposite coast. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm far on the East mm-hmm. Coast, and he's all the way on the West Coast. So, yeah. Well, yeah. in the, in the um, age of Corona, I guess we've become able to do this. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess we always were. Well, but you could do it before. Yeah, but. sort of more of a COVID project. Yeah. People are doing uh, this so much right. more in uh, academia, of course, though, right? So that's been nice. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Being in I Japan. True. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, have you like attended remote conferences and things? Like, yeah, I mean it's uh, nice know, to I've be able to do those. that. It's convenient, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, on the other hand, the the sort of stakes of your being there and kind of being present and mm-hmm. and everything feel so much lower. You inevitably just end up kind of listening to it on headphones like it's a podcast or something, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that that's definitely true. It's something I've definitely noticed. I mean, yeah, like, I am very much, like, all about, like, hanging on to in-person teaching as a thing. Like, uh, you know, even though it's frustrating to have to do it masked, I just find it to be, like, way better. But, Mm. uh, yeah, and I think that in general, like, even, like, all these, like, meaningless meetings, you know, they... uh, Usually, like, something... Yeah, so, Mm. like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, true. Like, there are some things that would just be a complete waste of time. But also, I almost, I mean, maybe it's just because, like, we've been living under COVID for so long that Mm. uh, I'm I'm nostalgic for things that, like, really are a pain in the ass. But, like, I almost feel like it would be almost, like, a welcome excuse to, like, go out and, like, you know, you could always make something out of those obnoxious trips like to campus you know i don't know but that's true actually uh, maybe it's good for your soul now it's just like these monotonous days of like yeah plugging in and then it's just like washes over you and then you end up just feeling embittered but Mm -hmm. anyway yeah so uh mm -hmm. nevertheless very glad that we could that we could meet and thank you again for taking time um of course so i'd be Um, i'd be happy to hear uh your thoughts on any really issue that um that is on your mind uh however we've been discussing uh issues of religious yeah. history i think i think that's something yeah. particularly mm-hmm. important we these talked days. a fair amount like in dm yeah mm-hmm. passing some ideas back and forth yeah uh i thought i mean your podcast is really uh unique and interesting you know i definitely was stricken oh, by like the topic uh right away um yeah, I, the episode that, like, the first episode that I listened to, like, fully, um, mm. I remember, like, noticing your comments on some of the the Swimmel Jihad account tweets, um, 
I mean, I don't mm. run that account. Uh, Dimitri does. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, like uh, you know, uh, I don't like get the notifications, but I did. I did still notice them. Uh, and the first one, the, the first episode that I listened to fully though was uh, the one where uh, you kind of like lightly critiqued uh, one of our episodes a little bit. Uh, you know, vis a vis like kind of our allusions to to Buddhism uh, in our uh, episode about the Grateful Dead. Right, um, right. Which, uh, yeah. Table. What was the uh, what was the name of the text that you discussed in that episode? Just so uh, I know that I'm referring. Yeah, to Yeah, Nihon right, Gyoiki. Right uh, I was working on the Nihon Gyoiki, yeah, but mm-hmm. just the genre of Setsuwa in general, right? It's just like Buddhist mm-hmm. folk tales. Um, yeah, and you were get kind of into Buddhist folk tales too. Um, in that one, and then yeah, also I think mm-hmm. ones where you've read a bit of Gnostic stuff. So um, yeah, uh, which. You know, I feel. I mean, I don't. I don't have a dog in uh, various Abrahamic fights, and uh, we can talk mm-hmm. about the category of Abrahamism too. I think you had interesting things yeah. to say about that. That's been a bit of a bugbear for me lately, uh, yeah. and that was something that I feel like you brought up in your episode was like the issue of like Abrahamism, and people have mentioned that. I mean, it seems like a to us before, category. like y- yeah, yeah, like uh, they have a. I mean, I think that vis-a-vis like our show people have like a perception mm. that we have like an abrahamic like uh bias or, or something which like i don't mm. know i feel like uh is that I, I, at least i don't mean to uh convey that or uh i don't uh feel that i uh necessarily favor uh you know a like category of abrahamism uh over uh any other um i mean you know, I think that that's a it's a it's a nuanced issue uh, that right. we can go into. But well, so you'd um, be a Muslim, yeah, for, the, first and foremost, I would guess. Yeah, I'm Muslim. And then yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I can see, yeah, but well, of course, though, like Abrahamism is some kind of has some kind. Doesn't it have some kind of theological status in Islam too? Though I mean, of course, there is like in a way, yeah. Well, there's uh, uh, the people of the book, you know, Ahil Kitab, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that typically, like, is considered to include, like, Christians and Jews. So mm. that definitely, I mean, Abrahamism is, like, fundamentally, like, an Islamic concept. Like, when people talk about Abrahamic religions, that is basically using an Islamic framework. Yeah, right. But, uh, Isla- like, at, Abraham himself, the, like at appears. the core of it. Ah, okay, yeah. Is a, yeah, prophet mm-hmm. in Islam. And I mean, like, you know, the whole idea of, like, I mean, otherwise you would just say, like, I don't know, uh, you might mention some other figure i mean i guess like if it weren't for the existence of islam if there were no islam would people call christianity and judaism the abrahamic religions i'm not mm. sure if they would i'm not sure know. if they would use some other yeah. term i mean certainly um, the other the but, other interesting thing to to put on the table would be though uh or not though um judeo-christian tradition right what about this term that yeah. is that is created to exclude exactly islam. i feel like it's somewhat similar yeah exactly. it probably it would not exist it probably would not exist if islam did not exist and, and need to be sort of excluded yeah perhaps mm-hmm. that's i think that is true you're right it probably also would not exist if it weren't for the existence of islam i mean it, obviously the existence uh, of islam or like world history, uh, is an incredibly formative uh fact about uh history so who knows what would be different if it weren't for uh the existence of islam would like, we have merchant would capital all sorts of different would we have yeah merchant okay capital? well that's, that's like that's a, a whole that, thing um right yeah i feel like we that probably would still have merchant capital i mean 
this is like kind of going yeah. down like uh, a rabbit yeah. hole that's like uh, these contrafactual factual type things like i think can be like kind of not yeah, super yeah. productive a lot of the time like it's like if this hadn't happened then like you know uh well can we re- how deeply can we really get into that topic like how much can we mm. talk about like if this hadn't like okay like in what that way would be hard what are the other factors these kind of like this alt hist type thing mm. like it's hard to get into you know like uh well it's if, hard, as hard as predicting yeah, the like, future um but also maybe part useful as part of that same project of, uh, you know, if we see ourselves as, as uh, scientific uh, historians, I don't know. I mean, I would, I would see myself as a uh, Marxist-Leninist, maybe sometimes Maoist, uh, wanting to do kind of revolutionary science, learn about ways that relation to production have changed in the past. And then from that scientific knowledge, I would try ultimately hope to predict the future right that would be yes makes me maybe kind of a paleo marxist there was this term right um these days Mm -hmm. a lot of people are sort of like oh we don't really mean that you know actually we don't really think that you can scientifically have knowledge of um changes in relations of production and but if you do that, then you're really just back in the realm of bourgeois history talking about great men and great parties and what are the decisions that they made with their characters and so on. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting uh, issue. I think that, oh, I think that all history is always projected into the future. I think there's a fundamental relationship oh, between wow. history and uh, prophecy. Uh, I think that, you know, I yeah. mean, this maybe one could relate to Islam in a way, you know, the figures who we consider to be prophets, prophecy carries a certain connotation of prognostication, I think, uh, for a lot of people, um, that perhaps it doesn't, like perhaps talking about uh, uh, Anbiya or something doesn't necessarily carry the same uh, suggestion of prognostication that the term prophecy does in English, but Hmm. I think that it still uh, is kind of an interesting or uh, helpful uh, association because a lot of the time in Islam, prophets will tell you about the past, but that act of history is also kind of a, a function of, of prophecy. I think that's fundamentally mm. like a, an aspect of history. But in terms of, yeah, I mean, I think that that's something in, uh, epistemologically interesting as well. You know, like uh, these kind of, mm. when we talk about things like Abrahamism, when we talk about, uh, you know, the, the framework of, uh, you know, the epistemological framework of uh, religious categorization or anything like that, or the concept of religion itself versus like the secular or the idea of science or the scientific. Hmm. Um, I think that that it is interesting to kind of com- uh, compare those epistemological frames. Like, how does one really reconcile these things? Like, is it just through like a form of perspectivism? I mean, I don't know. I guess part of I am uh, sympathetic to what you're talking about because I certainly don't. Um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not uh, sympathetic or I'm certainly antipathetic to like kind of a, a great man model of history or, uh, yeah, even a great movements model of history. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, I kind of historic, uh, you know, in terms of my, my practice as, a, as an intellectual historian, I'm kind of uh, resistant to sort of these these master frameworks or, or grand narratives. Right, um, right. I feel like what I try to do a lot of the time is understand like the like i kind of try to get like a meta history or understand the historical perspective like that's embedded in whatever objects i'm working with 
mm. while at the same time still recognizing that it's true it's impossible to have like a view from nowhere um right. and i think that uh the ideas that you kind of mention uh you know the the sort of a materialism uh scientific uh, or dialectical materialism this sort of very salient very determinative ideas about how history functions like i think those yeah. do have an influence on me but anyway mm-hmm. yeah that's a long uh, discursive statement but anyway yeah, well, it's got to uh, be balanced you yeah. know between those things i'm sure it's you know you got to be dialectical yeah. but also not dogmatic and expecting okay now we had this mm-hmm. step it's got it now the next thing that has to happen is this and in fact yes uh, mm-hmm. and your units that you could be looking at the thing could be something could be happening on another level something could be happening on another wavelength that you're not happening to a frequency that you're not happening to be Absolutely. tuned into at that moment and yes, something could I be building true. that you're not noticing or whatever right mm-hmm. it's creepy yes, that our uh, I'm, all, I'm thinking about co-optation a lot you know, as as um, my podcast has grown to the single digits of, uh, <laughs> of, of sponsors, thank milestone. you. No, I mean it feels yeah, yeah it feels good. Uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, um, I'm very you, conscious yeah. of like the anybody with a uh, you know a platform is going to be probably subject to there. Everything that we might come up with to try to predict the future is always being sort of co-opted. And nowadays, it's mm-hmm. almost like they don't need agents. They don't need to flip people because everyone's under surveillance all the time. So people can be very yes. sincerely mm-hmm. trying to uh, advance in the direction of more equal uh, relations of production, right? Whatever you want to say. Uh, mm-hmm. And the ruling class can see that co-opted, get ahead of it. And all of this. And yet, I think uh, every sign, I was just, I was saying on Twitter in response to something else, but uh, I did, I do come to the conclusion that they are, the the means of production are getting harder and harder to own. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if that's a deliberate, somebody was saying that's a deliberate plan. you know they they are they're doing that in order that that they can move beyond uh, bourgeois democracy and capitalism with its various freedoms that it actually necessitates and and there is that aspect to it mm-hmm. uh, because they want to move into uh, techno feudalism uh, and that's why they're advancing the productive forces to the the point of almost full automation. Well, you know, it's what that is doing mm-hmm. is is uh, creating the conditions for uh, total overthrow of every kind of class rule ever, except maybe slave rule. Right. Just capturing someone yeah. and just straight up. I am forcing you to mm-hmm. do this. Right. Which is a very, uh, you know, which is a very old mm. institution. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, I mean. In a way, like slavery still operates like in an occulted form, but I think, yeah. especially with like automation, like uh, I think that we could see like a return. I mean, mm. yeah, I think that uh, maybe uh, either either way, maybe we. I think that it's conceivable that we could see like slavery return to uh, like extreme visibility or hyper visibility in a certain way, like in in the future. Or we could see mm-hmm. like an even more occulted form of slavery emerge uh, through like the under the umbrella of automation. I think that yeah. we've talked about this uh, 
yeah on our podcast uh in the past like vis-a-vis like the cotton gin uh you know talking about mm. how like oh you know the cotton gin is something that makes uh the harvesting of cotton like so much easier you know it makes all this mm. labor so much easier it's an incredible uh you know technological device the, to facilitate this process it's an incredible uh you know uh lubricant technological lubricant automate but in fact right. the existence of this like exacerbates uh the exploitation of you know human labor right. so tremendously and doesn't yeah. you know uh do anything to resolve the problem of slavery it it makes it worse right um and i think yeah. that yeah something like that with this increasing automation could also happen again i mean yeah it's a uh it's a chilling thought um but I think one that like needs to be considered like, you know, to what mm. I think that we need to like recognize that some of these, I mean, it depends on what kind of framework like one is, is using because there's right. obviously like many permutations of, of Marxist theory that developed since Marx. But mm. I think that Marx, you know, despite like whatever uh, his insights, which are considerable, you know, he is like a person of his time. And yeah. uh, there are certain limitations to uh, what he did foresee. You know, uh, I think that he foresee, foresaw a lot more than, than people tend to give him credit for. Um, but there are also, I think, uh, certain things that uh, could take paths that perhaps like uh, his theory or the theory of like his intellectual heirs didn't fully anticipate or that the... Uh, the sort of uh, epochal cycle or the uh, development of capitalism uh, and the the way that the the ownership of the means of production transforms uh, could take a different path than is perhaps anticipated. I mean, Certainly. yeah, in terms of your point, of, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, in terms I think of your point about yeah. I would, well, yeah oh sorry, yeah. So um, yeah, the no, the cotton gin, right? Like what you're saying, I maybe actually slavery existed all along in an occulted form we could we could say mm-hmm. uh i was yeah. so i was reading something about early automation as well where actually the very earliest factories in england they had them out in the countryside using windmills using renewable energy and because that was actually cheaper it was actually easier to do that and mm-hmm. but what they found was that class struggle was not as easy out in the countryside mm-hmm. because you still had all the peasant families and peasant uh you know church uh associations and and whatever and you can't you couldn't atomize and you couldn't uh, lower wages and you couldn't and and so burning all the fossil fuels and concentrating production in the cities was not about necessarily producing more product but about lowering the wages and conducting class struggle and so maybe mm-hmm. slavery just existed all along in that occulted form, right? Yeah, uh, and I. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. however, uh, the, the I I always kind of talk in circles and never quite get to the point, as you know. Yeah, I do um, the same. Perhaps, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm not the be- person to keep anybody on track, as that's anyone awesome. Who to Very, our congenial. Podcast would know. Yeah, Very congenial. Yeah, uh-huh. congenial. Uh, yeah. But I wanted to mm-hmm. say, one thing. I want to say is that uh, slave societies, yeah, however. Uh, without the occultation, if the occultation falls away, mm-hmm. if the the wage mm-hmm. system and the value form and, and all of this stuff falls away, actually slave uh, societies are, are the the examples historically of overthrow number as the stars 
in human history. Mm -hmm. And yes. if you have a fully automated means of production or even close to it, we only have to get lucky once. That's actually the good news for me. Uh, it might take an hour. It might take a thousand years. I forget what the book of Revelation says. How long will the devil rule? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know. I don't actually know. Yeah. I feel like it probably doesn't actually explicitly say. It might give some kind of number. I'm not like mm. a super big expert in the New Testament, honestly. Or I can't like I think there's something about an Revelation hour. chapter and verse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Neither but, can I. Yeah, okay. Neither can I. Exactly. Although I used to right, be a tradcath yeah. at one point. So that's. Oh, really? That's did you know that? Yeah. No. no I, I did. I was a tradcath uh, from maybe high schoolish, kind of like rebelling against my hippie father. And uh, then mm -hmm. for maybe 10 years or more, uh, up, up until about entering grad school and stuff. Um, it was at really mm -hmm. kind of after living in Japan and, and kind of. Uh, experiencing everyday life in a context that was just has shared no presuppositions of even like uh, a personal God. You know, I was trying to explain like what's a personal mm -hmm. God. And of course, nowadays, if you know, uh, at the time, my Japanese was very basic. And so I could only use kind of Japonic mm -hmm. roots. And if you try to explain that with only Japonic yeah. roots and not Sino-Japanese loan words or words that were created mm -hmm. to translate European concepts in the 19th century, then you can't right. explain that. <laughs> you know, somebody had tried to ask me one time. Mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of that experience. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, but I come back to it, and I, I think now mm -hmm. with this podcast, uh, a major goal that I have is to kind of unify uh, perhaps spirituality, religion, uh, just right vision, practices, uh, sort of uh, working on ourselves, in, in various ways, and whatever divine forces may exist, uh, mm -hmm. I would hope we can be in harmony with them, and I think being in harmony with them would bring us to um, more of the kind of society that that I'd like to see. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that our... Uh, well, it's interesting, actually, I, before I even say anything uh, on that point, uh, which, you know, mm. uh, I think I'm uh, fully amenable to, I was curious, you know, just off of your anecdote, like, what how would you define like a personal or maybe how would you define an, a personal versus an impersonal God in English? Mm. Uh, Cause yeah. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Like what, what I would say uh, or, mm. you know, uh, I mean, yeah, that's if true. someone asked me like, is, <laughs> do you consider God to be personal? I would mm. say like, yeah, maybe, but then I would kind of wonder like, what is the alternative? Like what is an impersonal God? Yeah. Um, well, in, in uh, Japan, you, for example, in the village where I lived uh, in uh, for a while, I yeah, uh, I try and don't want to dox myself too much, but whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a a kind of sacred mountain, like volcanic rock that kind of erupted, and it's a big round thing and looks pretty and interesting. Mm -hmm. And and there are legends about oh, this is this god that was born from this and. Um, mm -hmm. And so there are persons associated with it on one level, but on another level, there's actually different levels to it, in fact. And this is, this is the reality, right, actually. So, but at the time, my understanding of Japanese religion, if we're going to avoid, I don't know if I want to avoid the word Shinto or, or use it, you know, this is a question. Mm -hmm. But 
my understanding yeah. at the time was I don't that... know much about Shinto, but what I do know mm. is that, yeah, it's very, very interesting, very nuanced and complicated. But anyway, sorry, yeah, continue. That. It's probably sure. not. I mean, it's, it's, it's nuanced and complicated. On the other hand, I also like to just say, oh, it's actually much like uh, human religion many other places. I, I, I often mm-hmm. try to... Sometimes I want to do the move of uh, deflating kind of Japanese uniqueness. You know, I mean, I think that's always mm-hmm. often worth doing. Yeah, well, um, I mean... The more I see of, like, other, again, like, my knowledge of certain religions is, like, not significant, uh, but, yeah. or, you know, again, just to use the term religion just for ease, so that yeah, I'm not what just is saying religion, Allah either. and, like, a million times, but, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a term that, I mean, if I have a problem with Abrahamism, I feel like that's just, like, a an easier thing to maybe take on than religion, which is also, like, a big problem, I Might feel like. Might be the same thing. Of, like, a ubiquitous word that is, like, hard, to, I mean... It, they are the same thing in that in they're the modern uh, period, intellectual yeah. constructs that come out of the same milieu. Yeah, but it's uh, like people anyway, are looking around and saying, yeah. "What is like? You know, what is your Christianity? What is your Judaism?" Basically, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like an interpretatio Christiana or something. But um, yeah, the uh, but but I, I do notice that there is generally like I mean that is something that I that I do notice there is sort of a. Uh, there are definitely parallels. Like, I always, like, anytime someone is explaining, like, the aspects of their religion to me, I can recognize things in it that seem familiar to me from hmm. from Islam. I mean, which, you know, makes sense. But uh, anyway, sorry, as you were saying, there's a mountain. Right. Uh, oh, there's this rock. Yeah, it's a big uh, rock. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, on one level, of course, on one level, okay, it's just like, this is a rock. It's a cool rock. It's like when you were a kid and you found a rock and you put it in your pocket and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I got this rock. It's a cool rock. Uh, yeah. And... You know, I was talking yeah. about, like, with the, the Egyptian Book of Tot, it mm-hmm. has religious ideas and it has mysticism and ritual, apparently, associated with it that they're doing in it. But mm-hmm. there's a whole other level with the Greek and Latin Hermetica where they're, they just kind of know yeah. about the Egyptian stuff. They know it exists and they're doing something right. with writing. And, and then just mm-hmm. kind of subjectively they create uh, mythology on the greek side i think uh but the egyptian side reminds me a bit more of the sort of shrines that you find in a little commercial district here in japan where the local chamber of commerce gets together and like creates a shrine and or Mm -hmm. you know actually i had a japanese american friend way long ago before I came to Japan or knew Japanese or anything, but like he would tell me that his father owned a sushi restaurant and every night before he locked the door, he would, you know, bow to the restaurant and, and clap a couple times and just kind of be like, okay, restaurant, we did good today. Let's, let's work again tomorrow restaurant, you know? Uh, and it's just, mm-hmm. people are kind of psyching themselves up about a community they belong to or uh, an activity they're doing or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's this aspect. Yeah. But, of course, in Japanese religion, when the more you know about the history of it, all of those little sites are mapped onto mandala using Buddhist, uh, or at least things Buddhist-derived, right. kind of. They're mapped onto Buddhas. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a pantheon, translation of pantheons back and forth, which is much like... Greek, yeah, yeah. Greco-Roman, sense, right. Egyptian, mm-hmm. like like uh, Hermetica yeah. comes from translating Tote as Hermes, right, and saying that's the same yeah. god somehow. Mm-hmm. And Hermes Trismegistus. Yeah, yeah they're right. Mm-hmm. 
So people make not only, but, yeah, they also make these translational connections between different re- religions, right? Ostensibly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, for sure. At different times and yeah, places. I, yeah, I mean, that's another thing that I feel like, I mean, in terms, like, from a Christian point of view, I can definitely see the idea of a personal God being, I can definitely see the distinction between, I can see one saying that Christianity has a personal God versus, I mean, Christianity has mm. a personate God yeah versus islam which maybe doesn't you could say like uh christianity's god is like more personal or more personate than yeah. islam in fact i i could say a, a, a common or historically common christian critique of islam is that islam is philosophical and cold mm-hmm. and that it's impersonal um uh and yeah i, I mean I, I don't think that Allah is a person. Um, of course, in Christianity, you yeah, know, yeah, the it's incarnation, like kind of a, you have, a standard yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean that, you know, that God has persons, uh, you know, like uh, one oh, and God. The persons of persons, the Trinity. But... Well, that whole word person yeah. developed through the Trinitarian yeah. controversies and the Christological yeah. controversies, which were not over until the 6th, mm-hmm. 7th century, the time of the birth of Islam, in fact, right? Uh, yeah. is about when uh, ortho- what we call Orthodox Christianity is, has pretty much taken shape. This has been a preview of a premium episode of the Kingless Generation podcast. If you would like to hear the rest, uh, please become a patron for the low proletarian price of three thirty three. I hope that's also kind of auspicious. Not real sure. Uh, but it's also just barely above $3, which is the, it has to be above $3 in order for Patreon not to take like an even higher percentage of your money. So that's what it is. Uh, and you get access to the discord server where we're always sharing all kinds of stuff related to current events and history of, uh, all different times and places. And, uh, kinds of praxis as well, spiritual, physical, and social and so please join us on there yeah patreon.com slash irregnata i-r-r-e-g-n-a-t-a i believe kingless generation on pod on patreon thank you for listening